Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome uh, to uh, this very special episode of the Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! hey! I say special because we're coming to you on a weekend. That's right, we're coming to you on a weekend, a little weekend content for you all to hang out with us and have a little geek fun. Talk about everything going on in the world of geekdom this week, for sure. We're going to get into some fun trailers that dropped this week and get into some stories uh, about uh, Marvel, a lot of Marvel stuff. We're also going to drop a little conversation about uh, a recent sex study that was done that we think we're going to con- Ooh, that we're going to connect to geek sex. nerd stuff. Yes, so trust me on that. And our main topic is going to be uh, our thoughts on what we're going to see next in the final two episodes of season two of Loki. So there is a lot to discuss here. Uh, but first, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work right now every weekend with the third season of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City. And Shannon, you were recently a guest on a podcast. You want to plug that real quick? I was. I was. Two, two, uh, two delightful young gentlemen who uh, met on, who actually met on TikTok. I was chatting with them beforehand. Oh, wow. And uh, and they were like, yeah, we just, you know, on we became friends through TikTok and decided to do a uh to do a, a, a podcast together. And, you know, I, sh- I should have picked up from the name, but as we were chatting, um, they are both big Back to the Future fans and they call their friends the Pinheads. And I was <laughs> like, I immediately went to Hellraiser. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Marty's band. That's great. Well, you've been spending your nights thinking of Hellraiser with Pinheads, that's for sure. <laughs> but it is Halloween season, so it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we're going to get into things here. But yeah, d- listen to Shannon having that conversation with those two gentlemen there at the Flix Capacitors. Uh, fun stuff. Uh, but we are going to get into it all the way. The show works as each of us brings up a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves, take a couple of breaks, and then we'll get into our main geek news item, which is, of course, as I, sp- I said, the Loki conversation. Uh, but um, uh, Michael, you're, th- you're starting us off here with some big Marvel stuff. What's going on? I am. We got a we're going to call this the Marvel grab bag today. We got a lot of Marvel news to uh, just sort of touch base on really quickly. Uh, let's start with Deadpool 3. Mm. 
Uh, Sean Levy has offered some details uh, about Deadpool 3 coming up. He, he recently was on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast and was talking about how emotional the new Deadpool movie was going to be. Uh, he said that there's a fuck more load of emotion than you think. The movie has a lot more character depth and heart than anyone is expecting. And then he goes on to explain that both he and Ryan Reynolds were really united that they wanted Deadpool 3 to feel like it felt like the first Deadpool movies, while at the same time, they wanted to see where it could evolve into. Um, particularly when they knew that they were going to have a Wolverine Deadpool movie. Uh, he said, look, once we knew it was a Wolverine Deadpool movie, God, what a gift to any storyteller. Because not only do you have two icon actors playing their most iconic roles, but you have two characters who dyna whose dynamic is already famously fraught. Like mm -hmm. anytime you start from a place with two characters with deep dislike and conflict and differences from each other, you know, you've got the mouth and the surly laconic man a few words. What a great formula. Um, and while he didn't say who was going to make cameos in the movie, he did say how great it was to how easy it was to get people to cameo in the movie. Um, he said what blew my mind was how easy it was to get these cameos. People love Deadpool. People love Ryan. People seem to like my work, thank God. Uh, and they know that Ryan and I are in a really good groove, uh, a creative brotherhood, and it's unique, and they're excited about doing it. So a lot of really interesting information there, uh, mainly... You know, if you've if you've been a fan of what Ryan Reynolds and Sean Levy have been doing together and Sean Levy's work in general, I think that it bodes well for Deadpool 3. I think a lot of people, I think I'm not in the minority here. Deadpool 1, amazing. Yeah. Deadpool 2, very funny. But maybe didn't quite have the magic. And I think that adding a little bit of heart, a little bit of this movie actually means something, along with all of the funny, R-rated, ridiculous comic book humor adding in all the cameos and the multiversal craziness of it all. Um, you know, Deadpool 3 is another one of those movies. We talked about it with Spider-Man No Way Home, and we were wrong. We talked about it with Multiverse of Madness, and we were right. But that sometimes when you pile so many things onto a movie, it can collapse on itself. Mm -hmm. um, and Deadpool 3 is, based on what we've seen, definitely in danger of that being a potential thing. And so I think that... Um, them kind of sticking to an emotion thing and really sticking to this being a character piece is good news for everybody. Gentlemen, you excited Deadpool 3? Not excited? How you feeling? Sure. Um, well, no, I, de I definitely am. I mean, I think the the thing that I think we, we might forget from time to time is with Deadpool 1, it's ultimately an oddball love story. You know, the mm -hmm. whole first act of that movie is Wade and Vanessa's uh, romance. And the... the uh, you know, lo love comes in every, you know, love has every color. I mean, you see the way that the, the way that their courtship worked and the uh, the revelation that Wade has this, you know, disease, you know, like that's that's what kickstarted the movie off. I mean, so I feel like in Deadpool 2, I don't know if the dynamic between Deadpool and Julian Dennison's character really worked. It was like it was awesome to have Josh Brolin back or Josh Brolin in as cable. It was awesome to have Zazie Beats in there as as Domino. Um but the but the relationship didn't quite work even though you had a really funny ending with Deadpool going back and fixing some mistakes from the past. Um making this sort of a midnight run like movie um 
with Wolverine, I think is really, really, I think that's a, that's a great idea and potentially really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, the only cameo that I think they have confirmed was, is Jennifer Garner yeah. is coming back as Elektra. Um, and you know, while I certainly like that first Daredevil movie when it came out, <laughs> uh, it, it has not necessarily aged as well for people. It ages like fine milk. John, based on your smirk, I feel like you are less inclined to be excited about this I, one. I I don't yeah, I mean I liked Free Guy. That's Sean Levy, right? So I liked yeah. Free Guy. And so that certainly had a lot of interesting cameos and appearances and working through different worlds uh and making them work. And I like that. I didn't necessarily a hundred percent like the one that came after with Garner, I think, and the the ship, the and Adam Project, the, yeah, the Adam yeah, Project. the Adam Project. I was a little like, eh, this feels what what I worry about when you get comedians like this together and have a certain sensibility, and they create something that's kind of mid. So I, I, I I'm excited to have Hugh Jackman be a part of this. Hugh Jackman, uh, by all accounts, one of the greatest guys, one of the nicest guys. So I'm sure he was excited to be a part of this with Ryan, and they've had great back and forth over the years since the first Deadpool movie on social media and what have you. So to see this come to fruition, I'm excited for it. I'm curious to see what cameos are going to pop up. I'm curious how they're going to play it. As you said, Michael, the multiverse of madness cameos really got to messed me up. So to, I worry about how they're going to make it work. And everyone's so freaked out about Canon. How are are these cameos going to be used and not be Canon or be Canon? Like uh, is Electra appearing now is Jennifer Garner a canon Electra in the MCU? So there's a lot of questions that I think they're going to have to figure out. And of course, maybe they can get away with it because it's a multiverse situation right now. So I'm curious to see how that's all going to work. I don't know if I trust that they're going to land the ship as effectively as I hope they can land yeah. the ship. I'm I'm living in hope, but I'm cautiously optimistic. I will say that. But I like what Sean said about the connections and the relationships, because as, as uh, Shannon alluded to, those are the things that we enjoy about Deadpool is the romance that he had. Uh, it didn't 100% work because I don't think David Leach does a really good job with relationships in his movies necessarily. But Sean does have that heart, yeah. right? And so I hope that they get that right, because those are the things that bring us back. Yes, the sarcasm, the jokes and the meta and all that. But it's the emotion and the relationships that really connect you to these characters. So hopefully they've got that right. Well, if you guys like cameos, I've got a story for you. Uh, <laughs> we have also got some rumors coming out uh, that, uh, you know, Grace Randolph reported on X that a last minute surprise is being added to the Marvels, but it's not clear what it is. And with the actor strike going on, it's probably not some cameo that they just shot. And if yeah. they shot it a long time ago, it's not a last minute surprise, so a little bit of confusion what this last minute surprise could be. Um, but uh, Scooper Daniel Richmond offered an ex- a better explanation, saying uh, it is a cameo. It's someone who was the perfect casting for a certain role and never got his chance to do justice with it because they wasted him on a shit movie. And that per- character is coming back. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. And in the world of social media, that's all you need to say to get Marvel <laughs> fans going absolutely batshit insane with their theories. So 
there might not even be a cameo. This last minute surprise could be, it comes up on screen and says, hey guys, whatever. They type something, like, who knows? But we love our Marvel fans speculating. So if there were to be a cameo in the Marvels, and if it were a character who was perfect casting, but was in a shit movie, do you have any guesses who that might be? Um, I have seen speculation. I'm not going to say the person, but I've seen speculation online that if this is true, I don't know how they're going to make this work. Well, you have to say it now. Well, I'm just going to say toss salads and scrambled eggs. I'm just going to leave it at that. And that's what I'm <laughs> possibly hearing. Um, but it's an interesting premise because to me, nothing says we are fucking scared. No one's going to see our movie. Like, let's put Henry Cavill in at the end of our movie, and hopefully people show up. And well, so, but like, but we know from history that that worked really well for Black Adam, so it's probably a good plan. Yeah, Michael, <laughs> Michael just took my next sentence out of my mouth, but said it much better than I could for sure. So, yeah, exactly. And that's my concern here: is is this a cheap ploy to get people to see the movie because it is tracking terribly? Not. Not terribly in terms of overall, like if this was a regular movie and making a 70 million possibly or 50 million, but it is not tracking well for a Marvel movie. And I think that's a big concern. So dropping these things, using Scoopmeisters to drop these hints out yeah. for people to get excited, I think is a bit of a ploy by Marvel. And I don't know if I like it because if you're doing this kind of desperate stuff that mirrors what DC did with Black Adam, that doesn't bode well for you overall as a company and where you're at as Marvel and also for this movie, um, which I think is, is a sad thing because a lot of people are trying to get people to see this movie because it is a female black filmmaker getting a first chance to direct mm -hmm. a Marvel movie with three women in the lead and a, a fourth woman being the villain. And so there's a lot of positivity in terms of uh, diversity in this, but Overall, the speculation is that it is not an overall great product. It's a decent to maybe good product, but not great. So this makes it feel even more so that it's a good, and it's a decent to good product, but not great. Shannon, well, what do you? Maybe, maybe, oh. maybe Kelsey Grammer will be the uh, their saving grace. I Who didn't say is? that. I didn't say that. Yeah, Hank Hank McCoy's beast. That's what's going to get people in the theater. <laughs> I mean, that's that, if that's true, that would be such a colossal misstep. But anyway, so to push back on Johnny's theory, because I feel like Kelsey Grammer got his redemption in Days of Future Past. I think when he showed yes! up at the end, I was like, great "That point. was a great way to use Beast. That was a great way to use Kelsey Grammer's Beast." Um, this theory, we'll call it. A stretch. Wait, wait, wait. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the beast. That's other people's theory. No, don't give me that theory. I not no, no, no. It's you. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> so my theory is a bit of a stretch. Okay. I don't actually believe it, but with Ooh. the uh, evidence that has been presented, um, we know that Monica Rambeau knew a scientist who was gonna give her some crazy vehicle. <laughs> Everyone was expecting Reed Richards. So what better way to announce the first part of your fantastic forecast than Miles Teller showing oh up my God, as no. Mr. Fantastic at the end of this there movie. There is no way they're going to touch that movie. <laughs> they said it was a shitty movie. Yeah, the boxes are checked. 
<laughs> you you look at his work in the offer and Top Gun Maverick. It's like, mm. all right, maybe Miles Teller is Reed Richards. <laughs> Again, I don't really think this is it. But looking at looking at the evidence that is on the board, it's like, okay, we could go here. <laughs> yeah, interesting, interesting. I honestly, I honestly can't think of what it would be, and also. Well, it doesn't have to be you. It can be like John. It's somebody you heard. (laughs) I'm going to show you the. But you know, it's like I I know that I'm going to like plead the fifth and not guess anything because like you you guys pick it's it's if you're going to go shitty movies, it's a mutant or it's Fantastic Four, and I don't I don't see how it like it would be so desperate. Given this is a movie Mm. about cosmic alien shit like what like you know like carol danvers is off in space like bringing in some alien threat bringing in kree bringing in scroll stuff bringing in some alien thing great but like throwing mutants or the fantastic four in i would just be like boy it would be the henry cavill at the end of super uh, of black yeah. adam like it would just feel so it's not what a post-credit sequence should be so i'm i'm gonna guess that it's not this at all I'm going to guess that it's not this at all and they're not going to do that. Like that's that's going to where I'm going to weigh in. So you think there's um, no cameo that's from a shitty movie and a person reprising their role or anything? I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't I mean, I will say cuz I feel bad even saying this, but like Shannon bringing up that fucking scientist from WandaVision because that was when we were all in the pandemic and we were all a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And so everything that they said were like this is it. And when she talked about that scientist yeah. To give you guys both, we're well. What it's maybe it's Reed Richards, maybe it's Hank McCoy. They're both good. So like, if Kelsey Grammer, not in blue fur, showed up as a scientist, yeah. I would be, and his name was Doctor McCoy. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know that I, I don't know that it's gonna blow me away. Marvel's back, baby. Like I don't know that. <laughs> um in a little bit of not big big news but right. exciting news uh you know we're all the saving grace of the marvel universe is a young guy in new york city named peter parker mm-hmm. and uh no way home is probably the best that marvel has been recently so obviously we are all anxiously awaiting more news about uh tom holland spider-man and with the strike and the writer's strike and the acting strike going on everything has gotten pushed back but it does sound rumors are saying that it does seem like there is a start date for production um in 2024 for a spider-man 4 and that tom holland uh and zendaya and everybody are attached and john watts looks like he's coming back to direct now none of this is confirmed by marvel Mm. none of this is confirmed by anybody but the rumor mill is swirling and it does seem like we will get that and i think it's a foregone conclusion i know that tom holland was going around during his uncharted press tour saying he wasn't sure if spider if he was going to continue on with spider-man but like yeah there's a money truck and it's a big money truck. <laughs> and the way that they ended that movie, there's more Spider-Man. So <laughs> I, I think we will see more Spider-Man. And uh, and you know what? If if they're, if they're starting production in 2024, that maybe like gives us a 2026 Spider-Man movie. And that's probably going to be right when Marvel needs Spider-Man most. So <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Um, and then really quickly, our last bit of information yeah. uh, is that Marvel, in the rumor mill, also nothing confirmed, is 
starting development on Thor 5. Mm. But the more interesting piece of information here is that they are looking for a director to come in and helm Thor 5, which kind of means that they're not going with the director. Now, whether that is Taika Waititi has done what he wanted to do and is moving on to bigger and better things, whether the box office reception and fan reception to Thor Love and Thunder made them think they wanted to go in a different direction. Uh, it seems like if Thor 5 does move forward, it might be with a new director. Um, and what's really interesting about this is Entertainment Weekly was recently interviewing Chris Hemsworth, who seems to have made enough money that he now just gives no shit what he says in interviews and just I says know. whatever's on his mind, which is great for everybody. Um, and he he has no idea what the what the future has in store for Thor, um, but he does say that if there he wants a potential Thor five to be unpredictable, um, and he doesn't want to risk playing Thor for so long that Marvel fans start rolling their eyes. And he goes, I have to be careful how I word this because I have no idea what's happening in the next phase. But there's always conversations. He goes, I don't want to continue to do it until people are so exhausted that they roll their eyes when they see me come up on screen. Uh, <laughs> if an audience wants to see it, and if there's something that we have that's exciting and fun, great. I love being able to reinvent that character a few times. I, I don't know what the answer is yet, but I would love to try and figure it out. And when it comes to Thor Love and Thunder, he says... I think we just had too much fun. It just became too silly, which I think we would all agree is 100% accurate. Mm. Um, and he says, it's always hard being in the center of it and not having any real perspective. I love the process. It's always a ride, but you just don't know how people are going to respond. And he also said his biggest critics were his son's friends. He said, a bunch oh. of eight-year-olds were critiquing my film. They all said they thought it had too much humor. The action was cool, but the VFX weren't as good. So... His son's friends basically agree with most of us. <laughs> um, but what, what he also said that was interesting about playing Thor is that he said, I love the fact that I've been able to do something different throughout the process. Thor 1 and 2 were their own thing. Thor 3 and 4 were a very different feel. And then even Avengers uh, was really different. And um, he, you know, that if he gets to continue to do Thor, he's done those Thors and he would want this new Thor to be something different, which... Honestly, I think we're all in agreement with Chris Hemsworth on. So, yeah. gentlemen, Thor 5 with no Taika, Spider-Man 4, thoughts? Give me a Thor, and I speculated about this on the hot mic. Give me a, give me a Thor directed by Robert Eggers, who did The Northman. Give me a balls-out, full-on, uber-male warrior Thor. I'd like to see that take. Um, we had Balder the Brave teased. Uh, on Loki, of course, and there's weird stuff about that. Who knows if that's going to be in there? Beta Ray Bill was alluded to possibly. So there have been certain things you could allude to and play with. And I wonder if maybe going far away from the more uh, comical aspects of Waititi's uh, approach, which I liked, by the way, to a more, you know, John Wick type of approach, uh, I think would be real interesting where he's more more of a stronger kind of male presence trying to get this stuff done, a Northman type of approach, a very Nordic, you know, we've seen the Vikings go on for multiple seasons and people love that show. So I, it, it could be real interesting to go that route with Thor. And I think Hemsworth definitely has that ability in his, um, in his uh, resume as an actor. So I'd like to see something like that. Uh, and even if it's not Robert Eggers, could be some other director that comes in, but something more like that, I think, would be a fun way to reinvent the character and bring back, for the love of God, bring back Lady Sif, for fuck's sake, Jamie Alexander, bring her back into this. She's in Thor 4. Fighting ones. Huh? What's that? She's in Thor 4. Well, 
<laughs> most most of her is in Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say missing an arm. But yeah, Janet said it much better yet again. Go ahead, Janet. <laughs> I mean, I think Thor, Thor 5 without Taika is, is probably the way to go. And I yeah. imagine both parties probably feel that. That yeah. he was nominated for an Oscar. Um, his next goal wins. Looks really, really good. I think he's probably had his fill of Marvel and probably wants to go and do something else. If, if he if he dips his toe back into big franchise filmmaking, it may it might be that Star Wars movie that he yeah. is yeah, still yeah. Uh, reportedly writing and developing. Um, as for who, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think there is a possibility at the end of Love and Thunder. You know, Thor's got a kid. Thor's yeah, got a daughter true. That, true. that he's yeah. raising, and and I think there is a possibility that um, that the the final Thor film could be just a passing of the hammer over to to over to this daughter. Is this Ooh, like kind of like how like with Hope um, in Ant Man? Like Hope was Hope was a new character, correct? Hope Van Dyne was a new character, or was she mean? always in Marvel? I mean, it was always Janet. Mm. Um, I mean, Hope. I mean, Hope yes, exists Hope is... in the Marvel comics, right? She exists. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. See, I I did not know that. I thought okay. it was always just Hank, Scott, and Janet. Okay. But I mean, I think there's an opportunity to to possibly give us the mighty Thor that we didn't really get with Jane Foster and Natalie Portman. I think mm. there's a way for for the daughter to you know take Mjolnir give us Thor going forward it's just not Chris Hemsworth um despite the fact that I do feel like with Ragnarok with his work in Infinity War and in Endgame he really found a com- not just a comedic sweet spot but I feel like we got some of the best um emotional acting that we've seen from Chris Hemsworth in yeah. the Marvel films. That's not to say as an actor, he could never do it. Uh, it's just, we, we finally got to see that. And with love and thunder, a lot of that stuff kind of got it. As he said, I mean, it just got a little, little too silly. And you know, there is, there is a deleted scene from, from love and thunder uh, where Thor and Zeus are having like this heart to heart and Zeus gives him the lightning bolt. And so it's like, if your movie went through that, drastic yeah. a change yeah. it's like okay you all really changed a lot I, I think two things i think one if chris hemsworth is coming out in an entertainment weekly interview and saying i think it got a little too silly chances are everybody agrees with that behind the scenes like i don't think chris hemsworth came out and said that and taika waititi is sitting somewhere and he's like what the fuck like <laughs> i think like they've all like i think you know it, and it is like this does happen. You do lose perspective. And it does sound like they had a fucking blast making the movie. But I think that came out and they kind of saw the response and everyone was like, oh, okay, yeah, we we overshot. Which is kind of what we all said coming out of the theater. So in a way, it kind of makes me feel good. Like, you always get that, like, do they think this was... It's the same thing um, what we talked about last week when the article, when the story came out that Marvel was blindsided by Quantumania. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that we kind of said then that like, okay, well then with Thor Love and Thunder, I think they probably weren't shocked that we were all like, uh, this isn't quite right. Um, I don't know who the director would be. I kind of like to look at it more from like the studio side, like what's on the table. Mm-hmm. Like to Shannon's point, Thor has a kid, post-credit sequence with Brett Goldstein as Hercules. Yeah. Jane Foster, not out of it yet. She she's dead, but she's not dead, dead. Right. Um, and I actually like what John said about the Viking aspect of it. But I would think of it more like, what if you told a story that was 
all right, here's what's going on. We've got Hercules. We've got Jane Foster's back. Maybe we got Thor and his kid and he's living his life, but something happened from Thor's past. And we actually get to see these flashbacks to like back in the day, like bring Mm. back Tom Hiddleston, bring back Anthony Hopkins, bring back Russo. Like let's see some old like Norse shit and then kind of have some modern day. So I think there's like a lot of really great opportunities. There's a lot of good story Mm. there, whether they find it or not. We'll see. Yeah, what's his legacy? That's a great point. You could bring back even Kate Blanchett. It may be in yeah. a little bit of a cameo. That could be fun for sure. Um, all right, anything more, Mike, on the Marvel side, or are we good? That is all we got for now, but okay. uh, stay right. tuned because the Marvel rumor mill, it don't ever stop. All right. Well, um, I am actually changing my subject, and I'll tell you guys about it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with my stuff uh, right after this. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture. That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of the Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse. Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents that's right three months for only 99 cents with the code buddies b-u-d-d-i-e-s simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code buddies to dive into the world of arts like never before bring the arts home with marquee tv get three months for just 99 cents visit marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now use code buddies explore the extensive library of performances on marquee tv today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at marquee tv on social media Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh, man. I have no idea what to hum. I don't know what's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, let's come back here. Now, I I know, um, I was going to talk about the sex study, but actually I'm going to shelve that. We're not going to talk about that because this is some breaking news. Now, already this thing, let's talk about sex, baby. (laughs) I know you did. That's what I could have sang. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, But uh, earlier this week, uh, Mission Impossible 8 uh, was delayed to 2025. And they changed the title. They say they're going to change the title from Dead Reckoning Part 2 to something else and fool us. But um, And we know the strike is still ongoing. But as we're recording this, two things have broken uh, in the recording. So I want to get you guys' thoughts on this instead of the sex scene study uh, situation there, which is fine to talk about, but uh, we won't talk about it. Warner Brothers uh, has pushed Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom two days from December 20th to December 22nd, instead of making it a five-day 
rollout. They are now only looking at it as a traditional three-day opening of the in theaters, and it's giving it a little bit of extra space away from Wonka, which is debuting just a few days later on December 15th. They also have the color purple coming out on Christmas Day, Warner Brothers does. So um, this is interesting, gentlemen. Pushing it two days, what's the logic behind this? And there's another push, which I'll uh, speculate. ask you guys to speculate on just a second. But what do you think about this pushing two days? Does this show even less faith in the movie? Or- yes. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Like, they're just like, guys, just get it out. Let's just get it done. <laughs> like, they're like, they were like, because, you know, like, when you do the, when you do the Wednesday release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your faith. In them. The goal is, well, the goal is that you're going to say over its release of the long holiday weekend in four yeah. days, it did this much. And you, and then they always come up with like, you know, it. No superhero movie starring a guy in an orange and green jumpsuit made this much money in this weekend ever in the history of the bot. Like they'll come up and like, there's like guys, there's no story. Let's just get it out. Like, I don't, you know what the story is going to be is that the movie is stinky and nobody went to go see it. That's the, so like, whether we release it on Wednesday or Friday, let's put it out on Friday. Like who gives a shit? I honestly, like, honestly, it just feels like they are just like, we can't like, I, it's like, they know that this is the end of it. Oh yeah. Like for, for better or for worse, once this movie is done, once they get to the new year, they're like, we don't have to deal with any of this. It's, it's James Gunn and Peter Safran are bust. Like it's yeah. Superman legacy or bust. And that's all we got to <laughs> worry about. And they just want to be fucking done with it. Yeah. Shannon, is this like your last date with the person you broke up with? You got to meet up with them, but you try to like push it to farther and farther to where the coffee dates only like yep. 30 minutes when it was going to be like an hour or two hours. What does this feel like to you? Well, I mean, I, I, I certainly don't disagree with Michael's summation of the situation, but I just Googled when the winter break is for LAUSD and it starts oh. on the 20th. So if you have the 20th and the 21st where kids are on vacation and you can get them into the theaters, it's get them into the theaters a little extra time for Wonka Hmm. before, you know, Aquaman comes out on the 22nd. Um, That's kind of my thought is that it just gives them a little bit more time um, with Aquaman not cutting into Wonka's box office. Um, But yeah, I mean... all indicators point that they just want to, they just want to take this out behind the shed and give it to behind the ear. <laughs> I, like, I do like John's analogy. It's the, hey, you know how we were going to have dinner on Friday? How about we do dinner on Thursday? Actually, what if we do lunch on Thursday? You know what? How about we just grab coffee Thursday morning? Hey, can we just do a FaceTime real quick? Can we just do a FaceTime? Let's just FaceTime. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can we just do a I'm so sorry. This person came into town. I did not even know they were coming. And now I've got to maybe do that. Oh, God. Godzilla, can we not meet at the bar? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing I want to get your thoughts on, and this is kind of big and kind of a little bit Marvel related, uh, because earlier this week, the Jonathan Majors uh, case has been green lighted. It is going to happen, I think, at the end of November is when they're going to start doing the case. We were originally going to talk about it, but I kind of pushed it a little bit. But now it's connected here because Disney announced that they are moving Magazine Dreams off of their release calendar. It was supposed to come out later on this year in December. uh, And that Snow White 
the Rachel Zegler Snow White, written by Greta Gerwig, directed by is it Mark Webb, is going to be pushed now to March 21st of 2025. 2025 is where wow. they're pushing it to. It was supposed to come out in March of next year, March 22nd. It is now being pushed to 2025. And Elio, the Pixar science fiction animated adventure film, has also been pushed back a year from March 1st, 2024, to now June 13th of 2025. Um, this is some terrible news, I think, for Elio. The Cinderella thing, I think, makes sense because Zegler is... Snow White. Oh, sorry, Snow White, sorry, is, is kryptonite right now with some of the comments and and what have you. Although Greta Gerwig with Barbie, you would want to take advantage of that a little bit, but the situation is that it is. Jonathan Majors Magazine Dreams, that is no surprise to me at all that they just pulled it completely because apparently there's another case in London that they're trying to loop into this New York case. So a lot of drama around that. Um, gentlemen, your thoughts on the pushing of of um, of uh, Snow White, Elio, and the pulling of Magazine Dreams. I mean, the magazine dream thing, as you said, that's that's not a that's not a surprise. Uh, depending on the outcome of this case, that movie never may never see the light of day. Right, right. Um, right. It's it, which is you know certainly for for everyone who worked on that movie that wasn't Jonathan Majors, it sucks because th that was being kind of positioned as an awards as an awards contender. It was a hit. It was, a, it, it was a hit coming out of Sundance. You're right about that. Yeah. Um, the, the Snow White, the delaying it a year, like that's really surprising. I mean, I mean, it, you know, she, she has that, the Hunger Games prequel coming out and yeah. it's like, it's like, do we want to get a little space from that? Or is it just because of some of the comments that she's made that have not, that have not, um, come out well, uh, that Disney feels the need to put a little bit of distance in in between <laughs> in between her comments and hopefully by the time that the strike is settled there will be some other thing that people have gotten mad about yeah. and they will have forgotten some of the some of the tone deaf things that she she has said as as a as a younger performer who may not be as skilled with the press um and there was what was the third thing johnny helio oh, elio yeah being pushed yeah man i mean i saw that trail i'm like oh i think this looks really cute uh that was not <laughs> <laughs> what a lot of other people have said. Uh, so, yeah, I look, I think when a movie gets pushed a year like that, I don't think it's like, let's just get some space from the actress's comments. Like, that's like a get Greta Gerwig in here and let's figure out what the fuck we're doing with these doors. <laughs> like, get 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 the CG supervisor, get the VFX supervisor in here. Like, guys, we we were doing dwarves. Everybody got mad. We weren't doing dwarves. Everybody got mad. Like, get everybody get in the fucking office and like, what the fuck are we doing and how long is it going to take to fix it? Like that, that really seems like that's where that's where they're at like yeah. we're doing snow white guys that's that's it but like if like, you can just see a bunch of executives like so is it okay to do dwarves is it not okay we got we got in trouble both ways like i don't <laughs> i don't i don't even know what the right answer is so yeah, i think no. i think that's where they're at and i think the year is just like we need to oh excuse me hold on i think the year is just we need to figure out what we're doing yeah um and then with ilio it, it's probably the same thing like it that movie is just probably not where it needs to be yeah. um yeah. you know i mean we even said this like i i agree with shannon i think the trailer is very cute yeah but i think oh look i think elemental was a 
wake up call that ended up not being as bad as they thought it was going to be like elemental was such a bad uh launch Mm -hmm. that then ended up evening itself out but i think that even though it did ultimately even itself out and it's doing really well on disney plus for them i i don't think that anybody's like yeah elemental our hit like they're like okay like guys we got by like it did fine but we're pixar we don't want to be we did fine right like we don't want to be like we 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 evened out it's it's okay so i think they're looking at people's response to elemental and they're looking at elio and they're like all right i mean well and not even that but they're looking at Lightyear. like there's definitely some come to jesus conversations happening within pixar of like oh yeah of like what have we become and what are we like we they they have the same thing that marvel had honestly like there was an era where if a pixar movie came out you were just like this movie's going to be awesome like you you didn't even care what's in it is it a fish is it a robot i don't care it's going to make me cry let's go yeah and then they sort of you know faltered and recently they just haven't been what they were in the same way that Marvel uh, in phase five, four and five is like, okay, I'm not there. So I think it's the same conversation. It's like, we have the talent, we have the money, we have the studio backing, we have the consumer product, we have all the pieces yeah. that we need to make these hits and we're doing something that's not right in here. And so maybe they're, maybe they'll, maybe they're going to figure it out and fix it. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you guys on everything you said, so I can't add much to it. I swear this is not a Roker's Roundup thing. One last thing. This just came over the wire as well. Uh, Lionsgate is moving forward with a Highlander reboot with Henry Cavill as the Highlander and Chad Stahelski from John Wick as the director. So uh, with Neil Moritz, Neil H. Moritz from The Fast and the Furious producing this, are is this a good move? next move for Henry Cavill? Highlander reboots under the direction of Chad Stahelski. Gentlemen. For Lionsgate. I I am not the biggest Henry Cavill fan, and I don't really give a shit about Highlander, and I think this is a great idea. <laughs> okay. Shannon? Like, yeah. Oh, sorry, Mike. Uh, no, go ahead. No, Mikey. no, no, no. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you know, Cavill is one of those guys who needs to be directed correctly. Um, with the right director, he is a very charming leading man. Uh, I think even though the movie was not successful, the man from Uncle under the direction of Guy yeah, Ritchie, yeah. he is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether or not he vibes with Chad Stahelski, we'll see. But, I mean, The Witcher is very popular on Netflix, so they're like, well, Henry Cavill with a sword. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Hopefully they'll cast a Latino to play the Spanish guy instead of Sean Connery, but I don't know how that worked. Well, Sean Connery definitely isn't available. <laughs> <laughs> Just stick them up. Uh, anyway, all right, there we go. Those were the thoughts there, the, the breaking stuff. Sorry we didn't get to the sex uh, study, but uh, I thought this was a b- much better conversation. Let's take a quick break, and we'll jump into some trailers here from Shannon McClung right after this. Uh, and let me say, I do like the idea of Cavill as Highlander. I want to see him under Stahelski's direction, so I'm on board with it. All right, Shannon, trailers, let's go. 
Oh, it's trailers, 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 and it's spooky season. And what better way to kick off our trailers with our first look at a movie called Lisa Frankenstein, directed by Zelda Williams, the daughter of Robin Williams. This is the story of a uh, set in 1989, an outsider named Lisa who is obsessed with a uh, Victorian grave, and she ends up digging the guy up and gives him the full Frankenstein treatment. This is from Academy Award winner Diablo Cody. Um, and this one stars uh, Carla Gugino and Catherine Newton and Cole Sprouse. Uh, this trailer, I thought was, I think this has the potential to be very, very funny. It also has the potential to be not so good. Um, <laughs> Post Juno, Diablo Cody's uh, career has been, she's had some hits, she's had some misses. Will this be the hit? Will this be the miss? We'll find out. But gentlemen, what did you think of our first look? at uh lisa frankenstein johnny why don't you take it away oh um this listen nothing makes you feel old like the new kids coming up and doing stuff that feels like it's from your decade when you were a teenager (laughs) so this one is a 1980s vibe for sure from top to bottom i love it i thought like totally killer it made me excited to see this uh and uh, i like the humor in this I was recently watching Frankenstein. We're doing Frankenstein for the uh, for the cinephiles, and I was watching Young Frankenstein. Kind of just, I got motivated to rewatch it again, and just love the joke that you jokes that you can play with this, right? And the idea of this uh, creating a creature, but there's a darker edge to this. And Catherine Newton certainly has found like a nice little niche here in horror. So to have her lead this one, I think works really well. It's got a Heather's vibe to it as well. Uh, so I like that it's a combo of some different things that we've seen before but still kind of having its own voice as well. So for me, from what I saw from this trailer, this looks delightful. This looks like a lot of fun. It might have a little more of a harder edge than than you think with him wielding that axe like that. So I like where it's going and what it might be saying about current society, even though it seems like it's set in the 1980s. Uh, Mikey? Mikey, will Lisa Frankenstein be alive? Oh, God. Um, I... Because he said that in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. Um, it like you know, the trailer did remind me of the Totally Killer trailer. Yeah. Um, and Totally Killer was a really, really good idea that did not execute on itself as well as it could have. Yeah. Fair um, point. and so like, kind of, that's what that was the vibe I got from this whole thing. Like, the trailer is really fun. It's really interesting. I think sort of doing uh the teen. The, the the teen rom-com version of Frankenstein uh, that also looks really violent and dark, like is a really fun concept Yeah, that if you do it right, it's great. And if you do it wrong, it'll be totally killer. So I, <laughs> I'm curious to see which one it will be. I mean, definitely like Diablo Cody makes me think, all right, well there, you know, it's got all the right things going for it, mm. but uh, I, I'm definitely kind of in a, all right, well show me more. We'll see. I'm definitely in a we'll wait and see on this one. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I will say the two minutes, however long the trailer was, I enjoyed Catherine Newton more in that two minutes than I enjoyed her in all of Quantum Mania. So I'm I'm hopefully that this is this seems to be the thing that she comedy is what she is doing is what she is doing well. And even though it is a spooky season trailer, it comes out February 9th, just in time for Valentine's Day. That's weird. Okay. All right. So our second trailer is our second look at the fifth season of Fargo. Mm. So the first three seasons of Noah Hawley's FX series anthology series were fantastic. They had a pretty big creative misstep 
with the fourth season. But based off of what we're seeing uh, with the teaser, it was pretty much just Juno Temple. What we're seeing in this second trailer, um, it looks like they are kind of uh, firing on all cylinders again, as it is one of these, one of Noah Hawley's Fargo shows. The cast is is just stacked. It, Juno Temple is the lead. We have Jennifer Jason Lee, Joe Keery, John Hamm, mm-hmm. Dave Foley, uh, it, it, uh, uh, Lamorne Morris from uh, New Girl. Um, everyone looks like they are just kind of firing on all cylinders. But gentlemen, I'll throw it over to you. What did you think of our second look at Fargo? Mikey, take it away. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, I don't keep up with the Fargo uh, anthology series. But having as someone who doesn't keep up with it, I watched this trailer. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> like, it looks great. Like, I was 100% sold. When we watched the teaser, I was like, okay, yeah, I get what it is. It's another Fargo season. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I won't. But just watching this, like, I mean, I laughed out loud a couple times. I thought it was really, really fun. It was really, really interesting. Uh, I love Juno Temple. Like, everything about this looked like a win for me. So I may, uh, this will be, this will be where I jump on the Fargo train. Johnny, does it look like Fargo or Far No? No, this is definitely for yes. Uh, I was a a big fan of this trailer and I'm excited to see it because like you said, season four, not a, not a a good season of Fargo. I'm sure it had certain moments. Jesse Buckley was really chilling in that season, but uh, Chris Rock horribly miscast. And so it just kind of threw everything off for me, but this looks like going back to like the movie. Cause it almost feels like what would happen if his wife escaped them trying to, uh, kidnap her what would happen and it seems like we got shades of that with juno temple so i like that we're getting this uh more much more active season and interesting characters and interesting um actors to be brought in and this is how you use john ham this is correctly how you use john ham in the show like this this is exactly perfectly how you use him i don't think he's been used well in quite a number of projects since madman but this is how you use him. And I liked what we saw. Lamorne Morris, anything. I know he's doing commercials for, what is it, BMO? But God damn it, cast this guy in a lot of shit. Lamorne is so funny. So I, I like that he's a part of this. It's a nice uh, angle. And Jennifer Jason Lee, who we, we are, in essence, in the Jennifer Jason Leeissance, uh, ever since um, uh, um, uh, Hateful Eight, she's been around and doing some wonderful stuff in, in different projects. So great to see her being a part of this. And brings the right amount of, like, that 80s energy or the 90s energy rather into something like this that is of course where the original Fargo came from so I like that that element so to me this works so well and I like where we're going and it's going to be fun to see the mystery of all of it for sure and one of the casting directors for this season of Fargo is friend of the show our friend Rick Messina so maybe closer to uh, November 21st maybe we can chat with Rick a little bit about what what his experience was like working on Fargo so yeah this one comes out November 24th right before Thanksgiving and that brings us to our last trailer our second look at Maestro this is the Bradley Cooper directed Bradley Cooper starring along with Carrie Mulligan look at the life of uh, Leonard Bernstein now if if you saw the the first trailer you were probably on board if 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 uh and if you watch the second trailer i imagine you're more on board that's my that's my guess but gentlemen i'll throw it over to you what do we think of our next look at maestro johnny take it away oh yeah i did a trailer reaction for this one i I'm, i've been looking forward to this one uh so i was excited to see the new one and uh i was not disappointed at all it is so epic in its scope and it what we're sensing from the trailer it seems like is the 50s and 60s are all in black and white and somehow there's a transition 
into color into the 70s and 80s and who knows how much farther they're going down the road with his story. But what really hit me here is this relationship. We're focusing on the relationship between him, uh, Leonard Bernstein, and Felicia, who is being played by uh, Carrie Mulligan, and how she understands who he is. She understands what he is, and it seems like accepts his dalliances initially and the rom- the romance he seems to be having with Matt Bomber, but then we see that shot of her later on when she sees them holding hands in the what seems like the Kennedy Center thing or whatever, and she's not necessarily 100% happy. So I like that this is the focus, is that relationship. And I hope people have an open mind going into this, going, she was long-suffering. Fuck that. Relationships are complex and nuanced and have much more levels to it, okay? And so people like this, who exist at an upper tier of life, have a different kind of relationship than normal people just trying to work their daily lives. So there's different um, things that are involved. And I hope people have a much more open mind to kind of process and accept and see the portrayal of this relationship and accept the nuances and complexities of it all. But yes, direction-wise, Lord God, Bradley Cooper is doing a wonderful job here. Even the film treatment of the shots from the 70s makes it feel like the 1970s. It's genius stuff. And performance-wise, Carrie Mulligan and both Bradley Cooper are incredible in the scenes that we're seeing. Even Silverman in the one or two scenes she has in the trailer looks like it's not Sarah Silverman. So I like that overall, and I'm excited to see this very soon from Netflix. Yeah, Mikey, what'd you think? Take us home. You didn't know he had this in him when he did the A Team. (laughs) (laughs) Wedding crashers. I will say I was I I agree with everything John said. I I was on board with the first trailer, but this trip a lot of times when we get to the second trailer, we're like, yeah, it was more of the same. Like I was already on board, but you showed me more. This really did kind of level things up because that first trailer you just got like the black and white, and this just seeing them play these characters in the different eras and really getting a sense of what it was going to say about their relationship. I do think that this trailer really did sort of uh, up the excitement level. I will say halfway through the trailer. Uh, I was like, this is the voice of Rocket Raccoon. (laughs) I was like, this, this, this guy who directed this movie and looks like he is acting for the rafters is the voice of a raccoon whose best friend is a tree. And I love that. I, I I love that that's the world we live in. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. I can't wait to watch it. It looks like I'm going to be very emotional and cry my eyes out. And then I'll watch Guardians of the Galaxy as a as a palate cleanser. <laughs> and then you're gonna watch that r- raccoon and be like, that guy directs symphonies. That, that guy writes that music. That guy. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maestro's opening in select theaters on November 22nd before uh, opening on Netflix on December 20th. What would you think, Shannon? You didn't say what you thought about Maestro. Did you like it? The oh, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, again, whenever I see Bradley Cooper in something, I always go back. I go before A Team and Wedding Credit. <laughs> I go to I go to Alias, where he played like the nerdy friend oh, of shit. Jennifer Garner. So first watching the nerdy friend become the hot guy and then watching the nerdy friend who became the hot guy suddenly become the uh, uh, cinematic auteur. It's like, man, that guy is on a path. Yeah. It's like when you go back and watch Remember the Titans and see Gosling being the doofus there playing the song in the locker room. And you're like, what the fuck? This guy's going to be a hunk. What? I mean, to Uh, be fair, if you watch him in Barbie, he's still the doofus. (laughs) (laughs) True. True. I mean, like, 
but he is enough. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to get into our speculations of what we expect to see in Loki season two. This is going to be a spoiler, so just a warning here, uh, and we'll be right back right after this. That is that is from the theme. Okay, fair, okay. fair, fair enough, fair enough. Okay. It's the high-pitched right, well, part, if you didn't hear it. Sure, oh. sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, episode four of Loki season two uh, aired earlier this week, and uh, we did our spoiler review it, which is currently up on the channel now. If you haven't watched it, go and take a look at it. But we thought we'd make the main topic of our show today our speculation of what we think is going to happen in these final two episodes of Loki season two. This is going to be a spoiler discussion. So if you haven't caught up, thanks for watching the show. You can probably stop here and, and go on about your day. And when you do catch up, come back and, and watch our conversation. If you have watched all four episodes, hopefully you'll enjoy this conversation we're about to have. Mikey, where we last left off, uh, Victor Timely is spaghetti. Uh, and it seems like everybody is going to die from the temporal uh, Loom blowing up. Ravona's been um, uh, pruned, and Miss Minutes has been shut down or rebooted. Uh, and uh, poor Brad will never get to continue his acting career. So, your thoughts of where we might be going here uh, in the the next two episodes of Loki season two? Well, so a temporal loom exploding basically means all of the timeline like there's nothing no, nothing is funneling anything into any sacred timeline like the multiverse is just wild and wacky at this point so because the multiverse all time is existing at once like when all of these people died do they all go back on their timelines like i'm, I'm wondering if like the mm. next two episodes are and I don't know how Loki would survive or Sophie would survive or if them being as guardians it is remotely different oh, for them or what it is. But yeah. is is this like collect like do we go back? Do we find out? And again, in a very Ouroboros, fa Ouroboros fashion, Loki, who the series began with him being sort of arrested by the TVA mm. for being a variant on a timeline, does he then become the guy that goes and collects all of the people? and puts them into the TVA to start the TVA. Right. You know, like, does does Loki end up putting them together instead of he who must, he who remains? Like, so there's a lot of, we talked about it in our review this week that that, that we're in an Ouroboros. Yeah. Like, that the, the timeline of the MCU is an Ouroboros, and the Ouroboros was all being controlled by he who remains, which was the one Kang who beat all of the other Council of Kangs to be the main Kang, and was controlling the universe, and the sacred timeline was there to make sure that none of the other Kangs showed up. Like, let's prune any timeline where another Kang is going to show up. Hmm. And that when, and in season two, when he who remains died at the end of season one, he put the pieces into place to make that whole thing happen again, the way it always had been happening. So that's what we've sort of been watching happen, what the big question that we asked in this week's episode was, is everything that we saw in this episode, uh, you know, Ravona getting pruned, Miss Minutes and Ravona sort of teaming up and saying they don't need Kang, the loom exploding, Victor Timeline, the guy that goes out to say, I'll go instead of Loki or um, Mobius. Is that the way it always happened? Or are there minute differences here that are going to take us into a different area of what's going to happen? Because ultimately to get to the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, we are going to get off this loop. We are going to mm. get out of this Ouroboros and something is going to happen and the Avengers are all going to come together and stop Kang and probably reboot the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. But 
Um, to get there, I do think the events of Loki season two are sort of leading down that road. So I do think we're going to see Mobius on his, we're going to see who Mobius was before he was at the TVA. I think we're going to see him as his, as, as his variant self in some way, shape or form. Mm. Um, I think we're maybe going to see the creation of Miss Minutes Mm. and I think we are going to see what's going on with Ravona before we leave her to wherever she's going to show up again, Kang dynasty or wherever she's going to show up. And I don't know that we've seen the last of Victor timely. Mm-hmm. I don't, okay. I know we saw him turn into spaghetti, but I just have this feeling that he might not only do I have a feeling that we're going to see more Victor timely, but I think, I think he might be Kaiser. So all of us. <laughs> oh, interesting. All right. All right. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts on what you think we might be getting over these next two episodes of Loki season two. I mean, like truthfully, I have zero idea, (laughs) which has been one of the great things about the show is not really having any idea which direction and to which direction it's heading and not in a frustrating, like, where is this show going? But literally, where is this show going? Like I am, I am pretty captivated by the show, but when you think about a temporal loom exploding, what is it that's actually exploding? It's the timelines. Right. So they're getting a face full of all these different timelines. In my head, you would use some comic book science and be like, everyone is suddenly thrust onto a different timeline. And the the goal would then be to get the band back together and fix the mess that has been created. And I think mm-hmm. with that, you still could see Victor Timely again like this version of him is dead but mm-hmm. on one of the multiple branches that happened as a result of him getting that book he could still be out there but again I realize that is comic book science and makes no sense in real life <laughs> um, but I am thrilled to find out what is going to happen and I'm curious how directly this will lead into into Kang Dynasty because yeah. looking at what is coming in between the two, and I know there are some films that haven't been announced, um, but Kang has to show up in in some capacity. And whether or not that's going to be in this or if that's going to be in something else, I'm very curious to find out. I think Vogel had an issue with my theory. Did you say your wild theory yet, Mike? Yeah, we haven't you said talked- Well, here's... So you, the only issue, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I, this is my, I don't think this is it because if it, <laughs> your, your face did not, but please go on. <laughs> well, I just, this is the wild theory. Cause I know that we saw it happen, but I was thinking about Victor timely and his, just his entire character and the fact that he's a con man. And one of the yeah. things that I had, I had said in last week's episode is I was kind of like, is Victor Timely ultimately he who remains? Because the entire idea of turning the TVA into pray to your Chuck E. Cheese gods mm. is kind of an elaborate con. And I was like, well, if he's a con man, how far does that go? And, and to your Ooh. point, Shannon, and you said that this week, he's not a dumb con man. He's very smart. Like it is very clear in the scene this week with Ouroboros, like he knew exactly what was wrong with the loom and the problem that Ouroboros and Casey were happening. So he is actually very, very smart, but he's also a huckster and a con man. And he volunteered to go out there. Mm, Right. 
He wasn't forced to go out there. So we're all, oh, well, he made this sacrifice. He knew he was the only one. And then we also have this weird chocolate scene that we don't know what it is. Right. Hot the cocoa. weird, like, why the fuck did he really want the hot cocoa and give it to D90? And then, like, what was that about? So here's my weird theory that I don't think is actually true. So when it when it turns out to not be the thing, but, like, what if he doesn't even have a stutter? Oh. What if this is all a con? What if he is playing this sort of... Is this your Kaiser Soze theory? Is that what Yeah. Like, what if he is like, this whole thing is a personality that he puts on so that he's disarming and people think he's just this dumb guy and whatever, and he's just taking everything in and he's like, and when he was at the TVA, he was taking everything in and he seemed to know more about the loom than almost anybody except Ouroboros and Casey and arguably maybe more than them. Um, and had them attach the, his probability drive to the machine. So what if, and then when you get to the end and they're like, and Loki's like, I'll go. And he's all of a sudden like, no, I should be the one to go. I'm the one who has to do it. And then he gets out and he turns into spaghetti and we're like, oh, that was a dumb idea. But what if it wasn't (laughs) a dumb idea? What if he orchestrated all of this to walk out there on his own? And when you turn into spaghetti like that, he knew that was going to happen and planned for it. And he ultimately, this was all part of his plan so that he's going to be the one that builds the TVA the way that he wants it to be built. Mm -hmm. And when Miss Minutes said to him at the end, you'll never be him. It's because she doesn't know that because by the time that Victor Timely builds her, He's the artifice is gone and he's being this other guy. So when she meets Victor Timely, she's like, this guy's definitely not the guy that built me, but he actually is. Mm. Wow. So he gave D90 the hot chocolate to distract him. So Brad would prune him. So he would then go before Ravona and Miss Minutes to do X, Y. I mean, if that is, I mean, I hope you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's a lot to unpack, but it's very. The ending of The Usual Suspects was so satisfying because of this journey you'd been taken on. And as Chaz Palminteri is looking at the cork board, picking out all these little things that Verbal Kent has just said, hmm. I hope you are right. I yeah. really hope you're right. I just, it just, it, and it, it didn't even occur to me, you, Shannon, it was something you said at the end of our spoiler review. If you go watch the video, you'll see the moment where I'm like, oh. But, uh, but yeah, I was all there. He, to your point about how his performance as Victor Timely is so polarizing because it's so much. Yeah. Um, and just, the, I'm very taken with the idea, like, he's a total con man. And, like, that's a fun thing. And, like, look, if we get to the point where that's what we got for Victor Timely and that's all we got and then a new Kang is going to show up in the last two episodes and that's the Kang we're going to follow, that'll be fine and I'll be on board with it. But, like... Wouldn't it be so much more interesting if this guy that we're like, oh, yeah, he's kind of silly and whatever. And what like all of a sudden we're like, oh, this motherfucker had everybody's number. I yeah, it's, that, it would certainly answer some of the issues that people have had going back to the end of Loki season one when we first meet He Who Remains. Because a lot of people were polarized about Jonathan Major's performance in that's in those scenes as well at the end of Loki season one. Um, the executive producer, Kevin Wright, told Tech Radar that everyone is going to be seen in Loki episodes five and six. He said, quote, we discussed it as being like a, a nuclear explosion in the end of episode four, met with a slow volcanic eruption. But temporal energy is the same technology used in the t- TVA's prune sticks. So you never know where everyone has gone. 
And from what we saw and from what you said, Michael and, and, and Shannon, but specifically Michael's theory, when we see Kang in Ant-Man Ant -Man and the Wasp Quantumania, there's no stutter or no issues there. When we see the Council of Kangs in the um, in the post credit scene, no one is like stuttering or having an issue speaking there. When we see the three that talk, there's no stutter or issue there. So you might be right because the way they've pitched Victor Timely as a guy is a guy who is five to six steps ahead of everybody else. So by playing the kind of like oh to a little too a little slow behind the curve whatever he is doing that on purpose so that your guards are down and he can take advantage of your sympathy for somebody like this and clearly they needed him and everything could be a work the Ouroboros thing the Miss Minutes thing everything could be a work from beginning to end and if that's the truth. I think that's going to go a long way, if they do it right, a long way to really establish him as a villain on the level of Thanos, on the level of these other villains that we've we've had in the Marvel Universe, and maybe solve some of the issues people have had uh, overall with him. So if we get that in the in the last two episodes, I'd be 100% down with it. Or, oh, okay, Victor or, Timely, or Victor Timely is Spaghetti. Yes, for sure. And that's the end of Victor Timely. And and we'll never know why he liked that chocolate, uh, that hot chocolate so much. <laughs> or or that. Like, I don't know. But like, I don't yeah. I'm 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 refusing to be Mephistoed again. So I'm just saying <laughs> that's what I thought. Uh, he might just be spaghetti. <laughs> I, I think we're gonna get a lot more with Miss Minutes. I think there is there is there's no way they've been leading up to her or, or increasing her villainy over the last few episodes without that leading to some massive fail. I just don't think that would make sense. Well, and, and also the uh, Mobius situation of not wanting to see his timeline, his variant or his original timeline. What is it that he's afraid of instinctively? And is that tied to Miss Minutes in some way? So I'm, Really curious. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'll tell you right now, just based on the past couple weeks of people's response, mm -hmm. if there weren't, if they weren't planning on going bigger with Miss Minutes, they should be now. Yeah, I yes. mean, they should be oh, like, I'm okay, guys, Miss Minutes is yeah. gonna be on Battle World and Secret Wars, right? Like, Miss Minutes is gonna be, yeah, doing some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything more you guys want to say uh, to speculate on what we're going to get in the next two episodes? Is you know, is, well, will Ravona uh, be the leader of the armies again? Will Brad be acting in movies again? Anything you guys want to speculate? I hope we get more Brad. I really like Brad a lot. I what I wonder about Ravona, and this is going to be one of those key things that maybe leads to Kang Dynasty and maybe doesn't is. Yeah. So the Ravona that got pruned knows that. Let's just assume that she goes through all the all the pieces and helps finds the Kang, whether it's Victor Timely or not, helps that Kang become he who remains and comes to that place at that window where she's wearing the Minutemen armor and he says the whole thing. Mm. Does that Ravona remember this conversation and know that Victor Timely is about to wipe her memory? Or is she going to get her memory wiped sometime between now and then? And she doesn't know that and is going to go back on the whole process again. So, like, right. I think Ravona's journey and where she meets Kang and which Kang she meets, like, I think she will still be a big part of the multiversal war and help one of the Kangs become the Kang. But um, what that – it'll be interesting to see how that all rolls out. And then, like we were saying in our spoiler review, and it'll be the next two weeks to two episodes will be interesting to see, does – 
Loki end up becoming the person who runs the TVA instead of he who remains. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And do we get any Marvel cameos? Are we going to get any Marvel cameos? The Marvels is about to come out. Do we I mean, get any Henry, Marvel? Maybe Henry McCoy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. I mean, <laughs> hello. I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see because, you know, season one was all about loki starting to go on this more heroic path yeah yeah yeah. and if that's the path he stays on or does he go back to being who he is yeah. and maybe that would line up with him taking over the tva yeah and it's a way to kind of keep him out of the main mcu storyline but still have him as something you can kind of uh, refer to or uh, have appearing in certain cameos and it still works in the canon of the MCU. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a possibility. And, like, knowing what's coming with Secret Wars, mm. looking at the way that they have adapted storylines in the past, be like, how much from Loki season two is is is, is, is Doctor Doom even going to be our bad guy in Secret yeah. Wars? Is it going to yeah. be Kang instead? Like, you know, is, is the TVA going to play some function into how Secret Wars happens? It has to. I mean, it does seem like it would, I mean, it, it, it just seems like since we've, they've built up this place that exists outside of time in the TVA that when the entire multiverse collapses, building, using the building blocks of the TVA to sort of build off of in and into battle world and to, yeah, to your point, like in the, in the secret wars comic, ultimately it's Dr. Doom, who's the big bad and is kind of using molecule man as the person who existed in every reality is that Dr. Doom using Kang to control battle world. And he's really going to be ultimately our big bad in secret wars after the Kang dynasty, or does Kang win and it's not Dr. Doom at all. And is he using Loki in some way? Like, so again, like they tend to do a thing where none of the, storylines are specifically required viewing for right. the for the main event um and that seems like it would be a little too much loki i mean right now we're living in loki season two so we're like yeah use it all but uh i don't know if they're gonna go that far but yeah i, I feel like the tva in some way shape or form playing a part into kang dynasty and secret wars makes sense and like like i said earlier i would be more than happy to see miss minutes uh rolling around secret wars causing all kinds of mischief yeah and is this is this how the beyonder gets created down the road i don't know uh all right well there you go that's our uh speculation on uh loki the season two what we expect to see in the final two episodes here we've been doing the reviews every week so if you haven't uh seen that or caught up with that definitely watch our spoiler reviews for every episode of loki and we'll be doing five and six as well as the weeks go along over the next couple of weeks so uh there you go we appreciate you all hanging out with us for this particular episode whether you're listening to us or watching us uh shannon what do we have to tell them yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. Mikey? All right. Well, hey, we like talking about all things geek and we like talking about it with you. Um, so here is what you 
can do for us. You can hit that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, check out all the amazing content he has got there. Leave your comments below. What do you think of all the Marvel news? What do you think of all of Roka's last minute additions to the show? What do you think of all the trailers? And you know, what do you think of that sex article that we didn't even get to talk about? Like just talk about sex below. Let's just get wacky with it. Uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments below. If you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings there. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. As the Highlanders say, there can only be one, and this should be the only one you tune into every week for sure. Thank you all so much. You all take care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.